just a brief prayer before we think about this wonderful story from the book of Acts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to us this morning through the Bible, this story here this morning. We pray your Holy Spirit would take it and use it to wake us up. In the name of Jesus, amen. What does it take to wake you up? Do some of you like, do some of you hate waking up? I don't like waking up very much. In fact, when my alarm goes off, does anybody else wake up to that sound? Actually, I don't. I wake up to my, can you hear it? The alarm, the dreaded, the dreaded alarm to wake you up. I've got, I've got one of those um, radio alarms. I still wake up, and often it's BBC Radio 3, which is very gentle in the morning, and I roll over and hit it a few times on snooze, but eventually you've got to wake up. Wake up! How, what does it take to wake you up? A bucket of water over your head? Or, uh, let me turn this off, hang on a minute. Probably come back on and cancel. Cancel, hang on, sorry about this everybody. Right, shut, good. If that goes off again, something's gone wrong. Right, what does it take to wake you up? Cold water over the head? Or a, a smelling salts? or something like that. I don't know what it takes to wake you up, but God knows how to wake somebody up. And I don't just mean wake somebody up from sleep, as in that sort of sleep. I mean wake someone up, as in suddenly I was, I was asleep, even dead, to the reality of God and his eternal kingdom, and God can wake that person up like that if he wants to, in an instant. He can wake somebody up. And today we're thinking about a time when he woke somebody up very, very dramatically indeed. We're in the book of Acts this summer, and the book of Acts tells the story of Jesus' people as they went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, led by Jesus from his heavenly rule and throne. And this is a massively significant moment because this, in chapter 16, is the first time the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, came to our continent, Europe. That was the moment Mission Europe began. And what an odd bunch of people were called to start with. First of all, there was a, there was a, a well-to-do and wonderful lady called Lydia. She became a believer in Jesus. And then there was a very unlikely girl. She was a very troubled young woman. And she had earned a lot of money. She was under the power of, of an evil, as it happened, and of some evil men as well, who took advantage of her and made money out of her. And when Paul... And Silas, the messengers in this story, we read about the messengers of Jesus. When they, by God's power, saw her free from the power of evil, she suddenly couldn't make any money for her owners anymore. And they kicked up a right stink about it. And the right stink it was. Let's have a children. Would you like to come out to the front? Because, um, of course, Paul and Barnabas got publicly you know, beaten with rods in the marketplace. We're not going to do that part of it. Um, that seems to be a bit, that, would, that wouldn't be very nice, would it, to whack you all. But that's what happened to them. They, Paul and Silas got dragged into the public and they were, they were beaten with, with, with sticks. Horrible, awful. And so then they were taken and they were accused. They said, you people, you've come here to our city, Philippi, and you've caused all sorts of trouble. And so they took Paul and Silas having beaten them, and they led them into, the, um, into the, the prison, and they put their feet, do you know what these are called? The stocks. 
All right, now when I was at school, if you were naughty, you were put in these and people threw tomatoes at you and stuff back in my day. Do you believe that? No, don't believe that. I was, back in the 1980s, they were very civilized and they didn't do things like that. But um, anyway, in the stocks, these are, they used to put you in these, but in the prison there, they put them in those. I don't think they threw any tomatoes at them. I think that would have been luxury, probably. They, were, had a, they would have had a rotten time. You, well, we're, gonna, we're actually going to put your feet in there. Well, somebody has to play the part of Paul and Silas, don't they? Who's going to be part of Paul and Silas? I mean, there's always the possibility that Kevin could do it, isn't there? Because do you want Kevin to go in the stocks, or would you prefer to go in the stocks? Do you think Kevin's too big? All right, so who's going to go in the stocks? You, you, I can't believe you've hurt your arm. You can't, because you've hurt your arm. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, I'm going to get Williams and Freya. You can go in the stocks now, but you can have a go in there afterwards, all right? Okay, up you get here. So Paul and Silas are here, but they are put, ladies and gentlemen, in the care. No, you don't need to take your shoes off because you can take this off. Up you get. Can you get, get on the thing and put your feet through there? That is very dangerous. You're absolutely right. But if it isn't dangerous, it isn't fun. So, um, it, yes, there's dangers of splinters, there's dangers of, of, of it never coming apart, there's all sorts of dangers, but that's what makes it fun. So, this is not fun at all. Well, now I've got the chain. Well, in fact, we need to entrust this chain to the jailer. You see, the person in this story who gets awoken, woken up to the things of God, was a gnarled, hard bloke who had been the jailer in Philippi, and he knew how to lock people up in the stocks. Who's going to be our hard, gnarled um, person who could come up and do this? I wonder if Robin would do it. <coughs> Robin, that, that's right, here he is. Robin, our, Robin, our, our, um, our hard-bitten jailer, also known as our classics graduate. <laughs> come on, Robin. <laughs> So I'm sure he studied things like how jailers lock people up. Okay, so here is our jailer. Now the jailer knew how to lock people up. By the way, Mission Europe doesn't look like it's going very well. Mission Europe appears, God's word appears to have been locked up inside the inner room of a prison and chained into the stocks. This is not good news, it seems. So there they are. Right, so we've got our jailer. If you could just wait there, please, jailer. Now... We are going to think here about how the jailer was woken up because as far as the jailer was concerned, Jesus, oh, probably not sure he'd even, perhaps even heard of him for all we know, God, well, he probably was just a, another one of the Romans who worshipped all the, 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 you know, the, 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 the gods, the little gods, the idols and things. He didn't know the true living God of Israel, not at all. Did he care about the state of his soul before eternal judgment? I doubt it. He doesn't, you see. Thanks, Robin. You were very good. You're playing along. I didn't even prime him. Right, so there they are in the stocks. How does he wake him up? Well, let's have a couple of headings. Here we are. First of all, the jailer's question. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen, and ask it. The jailer's question. Let's find out about the jailer's question and how it happened. Right, last week we sang a song in church. It went, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So, in the middle of the night, Paul and Silas, so they're locked up in the prison. And the extraordinary thing is, they're having a sing-song. So, here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I 
say rejoice. I don't know if they were clapping as well, because their hands might have been in the stocks. But the point is, isn't it extraordinary? They were having a worship party in the thing. And I guess that our jailer friend had never heard anybody do that before. I mean, I don't know that, but I expect probably after a good flogging and being stuck in the stocks, most people didn't have a worship session. But these people were. Paul and Silas were singing praise to God, and the jailer must have been thinking, oh, something's up here. This is odd. And then, suddenly, in the middle of the night, there was the most almighty shock. An earthquake suddenly ripped through the prison. And as this earthquake came... The stocks shook, they shook, they opened, the ground shook, all the foundations of the prison were shaken, and the jailer rushes in. Was that exciting? It's because it was dangerous. Right, here we are. The jailer rushes in, and suddenly the jailer is, well, the jailer thinks, what happens to the jailer if the jailer loses his prisoners? Do you think, do you think, the, jailer, do you think the jailer's boss would be happy with him? He tried to kill himself. Were you listening to when Nancy read? You're absolutely right. He tried to kill himself. So he gets his sword. He's about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas immediately rush to him, just as he's literally about to do himself in. And they say, don't do it. We're all here. Which, frankly, is as big a miracle as the earthquake itself. <laughs> all the prisoners were still there. Well, if I'd been in one of those other prisons, I'd have scarpered. But anyway, they were all there. And so Paul and Silas says, don't kill yourself, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And then the jailer does something very interesting. Let me find my Bible so you can see. Listen, we need to find out what question he asked. So, chapter 16 of Acts. Here we are. So they've been thrown into, thrown into prison. There was an earthquake. The jailer woke up. It says, my goodness, he had woken up. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he was, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking the prison has escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked... Robin knows what he asked, because he knows the story. What did he ask? <laughs> what must I do to be saved? Thank you, that was brilliantly acted, Robin. <laughs> What must I do to be saved? Well, that's a funny question to ask. What must I do to be saved? Why does he suddenly wake up, as it were, and say, I need to be saved? He probably never thought about being saved before. Saved from what? Well, let's just think about this for a moment. Let's think who he thought he needed to be saved from. Paul and Silas are friends of the living God. I think you realise that. These people singing praises in prison in the middle of the night are friends of the living God, the one who can shake the earth. And suddenly the jailer realises, these guys are his friends. I am not. I'm not his friend. I'm his enemy. I'm working against the living God. I am not with God. And the most urgent thing in the world is, I need to put that right. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven by this God, the God who shakes the earth. I need to be forgiven by him. And these people, Paul and Silas, they may just have the answer that I need. 
And so he rushes in and says, what must I do to be saved? That is the question. That is the question we need to wake up to. Wake up to the question. Children, just go and sit down for a moment, please. I'll get you up again in a moment because I'm going to need you again in a moment. And anyone who wants to have a go in the stocks after the service is very welcome to do so. Right. <clears throat> Kevin, you got away with that because they wanted to go in. So, yeah, well tried. So, there we go. Let me just... Let me just talk about this thing about being woken up for a moment because, you see, often it doesn't happen that dramatically. It can. Some of you will know the story of the little boy, Stephen Lungu, in Malawi. He was, well, he was Malawian, but he was a child terrorist on the streets of Harare. Visited a meeting that his gang was due to blow up at 7 o'clock um, and attack with machetes. And his gang arrived, and five minutes before, he was listening to a young South African girl tell her story of how she came to Christ. And suddenly, in that five minutes, God woke up Stephen Lungu. And he ran to the front, and with his hand grenades and his machete, ran to the front and fell to his knees before the preacher and said, basically, what must I do to be saved? I need to put it right with God. I suddenly realized it's dawned on me. Did you know you needed to wake up to God? We all do at some point. I found this letter the other day. It's, in, it's addressed to Sir Thomas J. Parsons. That's me. 14A Cricklewood Broadway, London. And it's probably 30 plus years old now. It's from my sister. Which is why it says Sir Thomas J. Parsons. I haven't been knighted, just in case you want just to clarify that. Um, she wrote me this letter, and in this letter, she was on a year off. I was a student at the time in London. She wrote me a letter from Kenya where she was on her gap year, and she describes in this letter how she woke up, how she came to faith in Jesus. So she was a 19-year-old, uh, and um, she said to me, well, we'd had Christ we both had a Christian upbringing, you know, roughly, church certainly church-going, um, very much, and um, with living faith in the house as well. But neither of us have made... I made my decision for Jesus when I was 14. That's when I woke up. But she describes it here. She says... That she, a, a British evangelist came out while she was there, and she says that she was asked a question. She said, something someone said to me was really playing on my mind. They said, if Jesus came into this room now, would you be able to look him in the face? I knew I wouldn't. And that thought, she said, was so dreadful that I knew I had to do something. And then she describes how she was sitting in the meeting that night and was going to, um, when the, the preacher said, you, you, um, you, now's the moment, wake up, come to Jesus. She was about to do it, and then her best friend who was sitting next to her stood up and did it. And my sister writes in capital letters, she said, Naomi stood up. And as soon as Naomi stood up, she says, there was, and this is so my sister, she said, there was absolutely no way, capital letters, I was going to do so as well, because everyone would have think she'd done it because of her friend. So she went back that night, and she said all that evening, she says, she talked about it with her friend, and she said, this is her phrase, I knew it was now or never. And I decided first thing the next morning to go and find the preacher and to pray with him to receive Jesus. So, just a, well, I think she's extraordinary, my sister, but she's just, a, she's an ordinary person. And God woke her up. It wasn't sort of dramatic, it was actually just a question. If Jesus came into the room, could you look him in the face? That's what it took for her. What did it take for you? Some of you have got a story of how you woke up to God. Others have not woken up yet at all. 
Yeah, and, 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 and actually don't even realize that you're asleep. These issues just don't seem important. Well, if they don't seem important, you are asleep. Wake up! So that's really the first part of what we're thinking about. We'll think about the second part in a moment. The jailer's urgent question, what must I do to be saved? Wake up, everybody. Ask it. Ask it with the urgency the jailer asked it. Even though we don't have a dramatic earthquake this morning, I hope. Ask that question. What must I do to be saved? What did that jailer expect when he asked his question, what must I do to be saved? Please sit, everybody. What did he expect? Well, I tell you what he expected, I imagine. I expected that he, ex he thought the answer would be something. You've got to do something that's, um, that's going to cost you something. Something costly, you know, like pay some money or do something, or something that would take a long time, like a process you've got to undergo for a long period of time to get it. Some kind of, some kind of religious exercise, maybe. You know, you've got to um, do something really difficult, like you've got to fast for, for months and months on end and you've got to crawl around on bare knees and you've got to pay for it somehow. I wonder if that's what he thought. Oh, you don't know what he thought. I, I bet it was something like that. So what was Paul's answer? Well, we've had the jailer's question. Wake up and ask it. What about this for a second heading? Paul's timeless answer. The jailer's urgent question. Paul's timeless answer. Settle on it. Paul's timeless answer. Settle on it. Paul's timeless answer is... Children, come up to the front again. Let's find it. Do come up if you'd like to. I'm going to need you again in a moment. So we are going to look at Paul's timeless answer. Can you read the answer there, Fred? Let me just find it there. So there's the answer. Look, so the jailer says, what must I do? Can you, see, can you read the writing? It's very small writing. Are you okay with it? Okay, so he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That's right. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. What an answer. So he probably thought, they're going to tell me something I've got to do that's exceedingly difficult. They tell him something that's actually very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He probably expects them to tell him to do something that's going to take him a long, 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 long time to accomplish. They tell him to make a decision that night. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. They probably told him, that he, he probably thought that he was going to have to do something that would cost him a huge amount of money or effort. When in fact, somebody else has done all the work and has put in all the effort to produce this offer. Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Jesus paid a price for this man to be saved. I wonder if you know what the price was that Jesus paid. Do you know how Jesus paid a price for this jailer to be saved? The jailer wasn't a good man, was he? He was probably the one who had actually whacked them. He was a, we don't know that for sure, but he probably, probably was. And how, what, did, what do you know what Jesus did to pay for that man, to make it possible for him to be saved, for him to be forgiven, for him to be put right with God. Do you know Williams? Do you know what he did? Uh, he had to believe in him and ask. 
So, he had to, so, the, so the jailer had to believe in the Lord, didn't he? Absolutely. But what had the Lord Jesus done, do you think, to make it possible? Do you know, Freya, what do you think he had done? Well, the jailer had to believe in him, that's true. But what did Jesus, why, why Jesus? Why couldn't he say, why, why did it have to be Jesus that the man believed in? There was something that Jesus has done, you see, that makes it okay and makes this man, it makes it possible for this man to be forgiven. I'll tell you what he'd done. He died on the cross. Do you remember when Jesus died on the cross? That's, 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 why, that's why he was dying on the cross. He was, did you know this, everybody? He was dying on the cross in the place of people like this jailer. People like um, you and me. People like my sister in, the, in, in her letter. He died on the cross so that we can be saved, so that we can be put right again with God, so that the God who shakes the earth is no longer our enemy, but we become his friends. That's what Jesus did. So, okay, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now what we've got to explore is what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Stanley, you didn't, you can't, we, I think you're out of things, aren't you, Reggie? Because you, you've hurt your arm. Okay. Do you, do, you, do you mind being involved now? Do you mind getting up on the stage blocks here? It's very dangerous. Okay, up you get. And it's particularly dangerous because, as everybody can see, he's in a house on fire. Can you see the fire? Can you see the flames behind you, Stanley? Okay. I want you to, can you stand up there? Because the tragedy is that I'm going to tell you a very sad story now about poor young Stanley. Young Stanley here is on the first floor, or no, actually, the second floor of a house. And he is at the window. There we are. He's at the window. We need your back to us, although I actually don't want you to fall off. Believe it or not, I do care about your health and safety. Um, okay, you're there, and your hands are on the ledge of the window. Okay, so lift your other hand as well, and your other hand as well. You are dangling on the window sill. All right, and you're in a house on fire. Now, we're thinking about what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because it doesn't just mean to, like, go, oh, well, I believe that's true. That's assenting to the facts. That's, that's important, and it is important to assent to the fact that what Jesus did and so on is true. But that's not what Paul really means, ultimately, by believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He means something more. Right, now, how are your arms? Are they getting a bit tired? Yeah, no, they will be, I know. That's all right. So you drop them a bit. I'll get you to raise them again in a moment because you are dangling off a window ledge. All right, and the flames are coming towards you. Can you see that? Look really carefully. Right, so, at the bottom of the building, fortunately for Stanley, we have a well-known local weightlifter. Do we have any weightlifters in the church? Do we, have any, do we have any strongmen in the church? I've heard that there's an Italian strongman in our church. Uh, a, a Nico, do you mind, would you, can I, can I borrow you for a moment? Nico is, um, is a, it, he, he is Italian, and he is a strong man. He is a, he is a, he is standing at the bottom of this thing. Do you reckon you could take this man's weight? He could probably take his weight. Now, the thing is, it's not just, it's not just that we've got, have we got any cricket players here? Have we got any, I'm, I'm, I want, because of course, it's no good being a weightlifter. You've also got to be able to catch 
Because he's going to be dropping off. Any, any, anyone, what about, um, what about one of the pilling boys or one of the, I mean, I know you probably hate to come up to the front, but we could do, oh, well done, Daniel Pilling. He's a cricketer, well done. So we've got, a, we've got, we've got, the, we've got the cricket. So this is, he's good at catching. Okay. And, but the, the thing is, what we've got here, so we've got this very strong man, we've got this very good catcher, but they might be horrible. <laughs> These people might be awful. They might be like, well, we don't care about this boy Stanley. And it's Stanley, are you still holding on to that windowsill? Good boy, all right. Because you've got a decision to make in a moment. You've got to decide whether you're going to believe or not. Right. We have got here a very strong man. We've got here a very good catcher with good reflexes. We also need to have someone who's very kind as well. We also need to have an extremely kind person here because, of course, it doesn't matter if they're strong and able. You also need to have someone who is very kind. What about Alison Summers? She's so kind. Alison's a counsellor, everybody, and um, she's very, very kind. And um, so we have got here, we have got here, strong and kind. Oh, there's a song about that, isn't there? Jesus, strong and kind. It's a great song and a good catcher as well. So that's not in the song about the good catching, but it should be. So we have got here a combination, and Jesus is, of course, much more than this. We've got the kindness, we've got the strength, we've got the ability. And dangling from this building, we've got a man who needs to be saved. Now, my question about Stanley's situation is, he could look down from that building and go, look, I can see Nico, the Italian weightlifting man. He could go, look, I see Daniel there, he feels in the slips. He'll, he's not going to drop me. He can see Alison and think, oh, she's a counsellor. She'll definitely catch me. She cares. At what point does Stanley believe and trust in his rescuers? The point at which he believes is the point at which he lets go of the window ledge. Do you see? Until that moment, he doesn't actually really believe. Nico, do you think, I wonder if Daniel would let you put, I wonder if David would let you put him down for a moment. No, he won't. Okay, I think it might have to be, I think it might have to be, it might have to be uh, Daniel, that's why I'm getting confused. Daniel, it might have to be Daniel who rescues you. Right, do you, you, do you think he can catch you? No. No, of course he can. He can catch me. Here we are. Look, he can catch me. So he can catch me, so he can definitely catch you, because I'm heavier than you. Yeah, exactly, I'm heavier. So if he can catch me, and I'm about twice your weight or more, he can definitely catch you. He's not taller than me, as a matter of fact. I'll have you. I'll have, you, have a bit of... I'll have a bit of... Oh, no, he's taller than me, but he's not taller than me. Is he? He is. <laughs> I'm being slandered. <laughs> Never mind, you're right, Williams. I'm sure you're right. Anyway, the point is, he trusts the moment... Can I lift him up, Sophie? Uh, he trusts the moment he lets go and falls into the arms of his rescuer. And that is what it is to believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. This man, this jailer, what he needs to do is he needs to... He actually, in a way, doesn't need to do anything. And yet, at the same time, he needs to do everything. He needs, with his whole life, to say, now I am trusting in Jesus. My whole life is now his. I'm going to 
place the whole weight of my life in his hands, and it is going to be his. That's what my sister did on that weekend in, in Kenya. It's what, what happened for me when I was on a summer camp, age 14. Um, lots of uh, young people are on summer camps at the moment. Let's pray for them, that the penny for them will drop, that they will wake up. Children, you can go and sit down. Thank you, everybody. And, and, and my, my, um, my triumvirate of, of, um, of, of, of able and willing people. The moment comes when we have to wake up to Jesus. And boy, what a way of waking this man up that was that night in Philippi in the prison. He woke the jailer up. Let's walk to our headings. The jailer's urgent question, wake up and ask it. Paul's timeless answer. Settle on it. Settle on it. And I say settle on it deliberately because, of course, those of us who've been believers for years, we forget the simplicity of it so easily. We think to ourselves, oh, I know all that. That's all old hat. No, it's not. That's the sum total of everything. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Lean your whole life on him. I'm speaking to myself too. Let him take your whole weight, the weight of your conscience and its guilt, the weight of your past with its regrets, the weight of your future with its fears. Fall into his arms. Let him save you. That's what it is to trust in him. Wake up. You might think, you, this all might be going rolling off you like water off a duck's back. Beware. Because the worst kind of sleep is when you don't even know you're asleep. The worst kind of lostness is when you don't even know you're lost. Jesus says, wake up and find me. Come and put your trust in me. Become friends with the God who shakes the earth through him. Because if we're not friends with the God who shakes the earth, then, then we're in the situation of the jailer that he realized he was in. You don't want to be there. You don't need to be there. Wake up to the love of God, the salvation of God in Jesus that's offered to each one of us. And I'm going to pray now and for all of us that we would grasp these things with new depth and that by the power of the Holy Spirit we would be renewed in our understanding and appreciation of exactly these things so that, well, by the power of God's Holy Spirit we're changed from deep within as we lean on him. Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be going through this room now, waking people up. Perhaps reminding some of us who've been at the Christian faith for many years, remind us of the simplicity of it. We pray that you would work now, in these quiet moments, and do what you know needs to be done in every single one of us. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.